Well, good evening, everybody. Um, I want to use the old familiar introduction. My name is Paul. I'm an alcoholic. I hope to share about the disease of alcoholism. And the disease of alcoholism isn't a, like a lot of other diseases because you can't you can't take an X-ray and find alcoholism. Yeah. It's not like cancer. They you know they take a blood. Well, maybe they could take a blood test and see if you're loaded, but. The alcoholism is sort of more it affects the mental aspect of the body, yeah? And it affects the thinking and the perceptions. So you can't take an x-ray of it. You can see its effects like livers and kidneys and everything. But you can't really capture it. And it didn't, none of us began with alcoholism in a way. It may have been there genetically as a potential, but we actually grew into it. Because when we're born, what alcoholism really affects is the mental process when it's producing the idea of being a self, yes? And that in the beginning of our lives, they've done a lot of research that there is no sense of self for a while, maybe a year, year and a half, maybe even longer. So the baby has no idea that it's a baby, yeah? And has no idea that it's different than anyone else, yes? The mental process hasn't developed enough to uh, start producing the sense of self. Then the sense of self starts being produced, and what comes along with it to support it is a thought system. Yeah? So the thought system reinforces the, f the feeling of being a self by thinking about life from the point of view of self. And I find that alcoholism is just an extreme example or extreme, let's say, subdivision of self-centeredness. In other words, everyone is suffering from, let's say, the initial dilemma of an identification as what they're not. Yeah? What we are in is a, like a very extreme subdivision. But what's incredible is, is that it's been written about and it has been revealed since 1935 and that a lot, a lot of people who were suffering from one of its attributes, the feeling of being terminally unique, came into meetings just like this and by hearing other people share their feelings and their thoughts and their reactions, they had to come at one point to the conclusion they mustn't be my feelings if everyone has them. They mustn't be my thoughts if everyone thinks like I do. And they mustn't be only my reactions to life when every, a lot of people in this room react the same way. And once that sense of, that deep sense of personalness starts being relieved, what occurs is recovery yeah? from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. So before... Before the solution shows up, in our case delivered in the vehicle of AA, there, it was a hopeless state of mind and body. Before 1935, people were lobotomized. They were electroshocked. Your Uncle Bill was put in the attic. Yeah? There was a lot of excuses about it. They were imprisoned. There was no real solution. And I've read, I've read into the Old Testament where they have psalms about the impossibility of helping someone who's a wino, basically, <laughs> way back then. So this, this was a hopeless state of mind and body for quite a while, but now it's shifted to a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. And seemingly means it appears to be true or false to us. Yes. So you and I have a big role in how much meaning we give to that thought system. And most of us in this room, I would say everyone in this room, has a lot of faith. Faith is like, a, a, let's say, a force of mind 
that finds uh, manifestation here by the vehicle it's put in. Yeah? So people who are flipping out right now, who are reacting to what's not happening, have to have an incredible devotion to their thought system. And that devotion allows the thought system, which is presenting false evidence, to appear real. Not to everyone in the room, but to you. Yeah? And that's why it's so difficult to share what's screwing you up, because to most people it's not happening. <laughs> and really the solution is that it's actually not happening to you either. But there's been a belief of false evidence that has appeared real. So false evidence about next week can appear real to you up in your head. I like to call it the little porno theater up there, yeah? So there you're always getting done by Dallas. You never Dallas. <laughs> <laughs> and, I mean, the jujubees suck, and the popcorn's stale, man. and there's a lot of shit on the floor <laughs> that I want to go into detail about. But, I mean, there's been a lot of mental masturbation in that porno theater, <laughs> producing, uh, like, an, an orgasm of anxiety. <laughs> oh, no! <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so, the... Uh, <laughs> so the mental process, co-opting our ability to recognize conscious contact, yes? And that co-opting creates a, an unconsciousness that it sort of takes over, yeah? And in that takeover, false evidence appearing real is like the basic status quo. Yeah? And it actually has the ability to, when there is an example of evidence the false evidence will override it. Yeah? So you can be so in a day that there's no way you can ever be out of it. Like we were talking last night. A lot, there's a lot of books about how to get into the moment. Yes? Most people never finish the whole book. Yeah? But there's a lot of books about how to get better into the moment or to be more present in the moment. But the fact is, you and I cannot possibly be out of the moment. Yeah? The moment and you are synonymous. There's not a moment without you. And there's no you, out, no you without a moment, yes? And then on the other side, so many people are trying to get into what they can't get out of, and many people are trying to get out of, which is the idea of, or the feeling of being self, which they cannot possibly be in. You cannot possibly be yourself. You can only feel like yourself, yeah? It never crosses the point of an appearance into a reality. That's why the thought system works very, very hard, like we call it K-Paul or K-Deb, because it's, it's like a station all about you, with tons of commercials and a lot of public announcements. Yes. <laughs> Disaster ahead. Disaster ahead. It's just going to be like what happened behind. Disaster ahead. <laughs> and it has, it has a crazy weatherman on that station, always forecasting shit. And so even when you're having fun today, you can't really enjoy it because you think it's not going to be there tomorrow. Oh, this is such a fucking drag. There's no way you can really let go into this moment because you're, being, you're beholden to past and future. The past has you restrained, yes? And the future is the reason why. I can't let go because of... Ba 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 And so every moment, instead of embracing what is, you're reacting and really contracting to what isn't. Yeah. This is slavery, isn't it? I would say so. 
And that slavery, of course, like the slaves in the past, they would seek relief any way they could under that domination. So they sang and they did other things. What we look for is alcohol and drugs. And the weird thing is, my first solution to alcoholism, because I was suffering from alcoholism before I ever drank, the alcoholism sort of causes that thing that a lot of newcomers come in and say, an uncomfortableness in your own skin, which is an incredible thing. Because when you were one or two, you, had, you were not uncomfortable in your own skin. Yes? You were shitting, you know, everything was happening. But now, <laughs> now, as soon as that process of, of thought starts taking over, there's a discomfort in where you think you are. And then there's immediately, because of that discomfort, there's a looking for it somewhere else. So your attention, which is very, very, very powerful, what your attention goes on to, is always distracted to look there and then. Yeah? Not to pay attention to right now. Because right now is just an opportunity to entertain what was and what's going to be to the mental process. Yeah? But all the while, there's conscious contact. Every day, we're consciously, even if you believe you're unconscious, there's a conscious contact. There's seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching this manifestation. Every day, no matter how much you think you've checked out, the senses haven't checked out. You're seeing things, you're hearing things, you're smelling things, you're feeling things, yeah? And yet, we take, we rely or have faith in that statement of not being here, when all day there's evidence that there's only here. Because if you think of now, and you work towards now, yes, when you arrive at, I mean, if you work towards a future, what happens when you arrive there? Isn't it now? And every step of the way is now. Yeah. There's no way you can escape now. The way the mental process has seemed to escape, it's created a mental here, and a mental now. Yeah. It's not, it looks like here. Yeah? It looks like what's happening, it looks like the manifest here, but it's not the manifest here, because the manifest here, you can't show me the past and the future right now. You can, no matter how important it is to you, or how big, or how traumatic it was, you can't bring it here. Yeah? So, in here, there is no past and future. But in the mental here, there, all there is is past and future. All there are are... At this moment of being here, all there are are feelings and thoughts that are contrived and reinforced and dominated by there and then, in your head. Everything that happens now, that's why one of the big words they use in Alcoholics Anonymous is resentment. It means to re-feel, yes? So most of our lives, all the feelings we have are re-feelings. All of the things are rehashes. All of your thoughts are rethinking. yes? There's nothing new under the sun. Because you're never actually under the sun. You're like sort of a little bit shifted to a false sun. And that false sun doesn't shine on everyone, it just shines on you. <laughs> and it's actually the moon too. It just orbits around you all day and shines on you all day. And you're hyper-conscious about the thoughts about you. And yet seemingly totally unconscious of your surroundings. Yeah? This, is like, take, this is like an incredible... Uh, demonstration of what we say in AA as the most, I think, the most important step that isn't a step. 
the most important step that isn't a step. It leads to what most people would say is the most important step, which is the third step. And it says, and it's really the beginning of the how and why of the whole program. And it says it very clearly. It says the how and why of the whole program is first, first, we have to quit playing God. Yeah. Next in this drama of life, God is going to be our director. We are going to be da da da. And it goes on and on, describing in many ways the position of taking the third step. But before rushing into taking the third step, it says very emphatically, first, quit playing God. You know why, in a way, the way I see it, is if the, if the root of the problem is you're identified as self. Yeah? Not that you're obsessed with it. That's, the obsession is the daily glue to keep the identification in place, really. If K. Paul stopped you know, uh, transmitting, you wouldn't know what the hell you are. That's what informs you about everything. And as most of it is hearsay. And it's based on a huge assumption. If that would stop, you wouldn't have any clue of what you are. And that's actually what you are. <laughs> really. What has no clue of what it is, is what I am. There's no way I know what I am. So, here's the third step, which... Most people would say is that it's like even in a book it says it's the keystone to the archway to freedom. But he's preceding it with an incredible step in a way, which is quit playing God. And the reason why, it doesn't work. And so the way I see it is if I'm identified as self, and if you are, you don't know it, obviously. <laughs> That's called identification. Yes? <laughs> Obsession, you can know you're obsessed. You can't know when you're identified. Because it's, it's past obsession. Obsession, like I was talking the other day. I have, the most I've ever been obsessed about, the most one thing was cocaine. Yeah? I was incredibly obsessed with cocaine, but I never became coke. You know what I mean? People said, hey, cocaine, and they look, you know, hey, yeah, yeah. How you doing? You're out today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm really, really pure, brother. Yeah. <laughs> I never became coke. But in the act of being identified, that's what you're living as. You're not being obsessed over it. You're living as it. It's way, way past obsession. So in the identification as self, let's just say I'm in that condition, and I get to the third step, yes, of AA. And now I'm going to surrender my will and my life over to the care of a higher power of my own understanding. Yeah? But that understanding is not my own. It's self's understanding. And I'm, I'm telling you, if I have a God or a higher power of my own understanding, it's going to be weaker than self. When I really read it, really need it the most, it won't be there. But self will. <laughs> and maybe he'll throw you some crumbs, like you'll get a parking space before the meeting, you know, in front of the meeting, or maybe have one month relationship work out or something. <laughs> Not flip out, the, out at the next picnic, you know. There'll be a little bit of, of degrees of success, but the bondage is just like having a bigger cell in a way. You know? <laughs> So just let's say this, if I'm identified as self, and it's, let's just give a vague feeling. Self is a, a feeling of being a long-lasting, independent, separate entity. 
Yes? Like a body. And the long-lasting aspect is the feeling of being historical. Yeah? Your mind remembers you back then, and it's actually forecasting you in the future. That's how you're long-lasting as a self. Yeah? Because there is no self in this moment, and there will be never a self in any moment. But it seems to be long-lasting in the mental realm. Yes? When you're up the ass of self, that's where you are, this mental realm. So, okay, just say, I'm identified as self. So I now make a decision to turn my will and my life over to care of a higher power. And you'll hear it a lot when people share in this, this uh, let's say, dynamic. When they say, oh, I, I surrendered, but then I took it back. Yes? This is when self has done the surrender or claimed the surrender. Yes? Because it's the more powerful God. So when it wants its life back, it just, it's like a big kid with a little kid. It grabs the little kid's candy any time. Oh, here, have some. Ha <laughs> ha, takes it back. So the head, the selfing is saying, you know, uh, oh yes, I totally surrendered. I totally surrendered. But when something important comes up that it wants to manage, it takes that back. Yeah? That's not, see... So if that first aspect preceding the third step is to quit playing God, and there's a huge amount of playing God in the program, then the lack of results may be very easily explained by just that. Because now the possibility of AA has to go through this middle man and middle woman, and it dishes out what it wants to dish out to you. And a lot of people don't get to the point of sensing, I've ceased fighting everyone and anything. I've been placed in a position of neutrality with no thought or effort on my part. The problem doesn't exist for me. And you may have an experience, the problem doesn't exist for you, but that experience can stabilize if it doesn't exist as you. As you. So here, why not maybe just entertain some time? Because maybe at first when you come in the door, the God's too big, yeah? He's got a lot of territory. It's like he's, he's winning the risk game. He's got, all the, he's got Australia and all the continents. And, you know, so, yeah, okay, okay. So, yeah, we're going to give you a God of your own understanding. Yeah? But hopefully, hopefully, after you have a sense of that power working in your life, because it is greater than self, that you'll come maybe entertain the idea, hey, I'm going to surrender my will and my life over the care of a power of its own understanding. A higher power of its own understanding, and so at that point, the the idea of I know is dropped, boom, and now you don't know, and what happens is you're revealed. It's revealed to you. It's revealed to you, and that revelation has much more impact than knowledge, because I know is the biggest deterrent from for, for you know to learn. Everyone go I know immediately, and there's no opening anymore. But I don't know opens up, yes? And then, your ability, then you start receiving, and in that revelation, it, you, it, it's a finding out that has a lot more juice than knowing. Yeah? So when the shit hits the fan, remember when we were out there, when we caught, when the shit hit the fan, it was like we were living in a hallway of shit and fans, and we were running around, and we didn't know the shit hit the fan until it hit us in our face, yeah? And then we have to find ways to clean it off, yeah? But shit was kept coming, yeah? And then in AA we learned, hey, this is what turns the fan on, this is what aligns the shit, 
And this is your insanity of going, what's going on? Boom, and in it. So the pause shuts that whole operation down, and you start able to walk through the, the hallway. Yes? Without getting hit with by so much shit. This is like traveling lighter. But in this view, that if there is a reliance,